welcome to the How Did That Work Out podcast, where we share, explore, as well as inspect internally and externally a variety of our life situations, as well as others, all for the purpose of answering, how did that work out? I'm your host, Graham. And I'm your host, Mike J. Here we go. All right. Well, welcome to a new episode of How Did That Work Out? And uh, it's just me, Mike J, and Graham just chatting on a Saturday morning, mm-hmm. enjoying our coffee. Mm-hmm. Did you get a fresh brew? You got a fresh brew? Yeah, man. I got some of that uh, far. So I usually drink like a half calf because okay. coffee's so ritual to me. I, I really don't need uh-huh. the vibrating, elevating off the chair, highly caffeinated effect. You know, I'll drink, these are good American size coffee cups. <laughs> I'll, mm-hmm. I'll drink, I'll drink like four of those a day. And so I usually do a, a half calf blend where, um, I'll do, uh, like three scoops of regular and then a couple scoops of decaf. And today's blend is really good. Um, it's that Farah coffee. I don't know if you're familiar um, it's really good. And then the decaf is that, um, Cafe Bustelo, that Cuban oh, yeah, coffee Bustelo. that we like so much. Yeah. And they've got a decaf blend and it's still, it's got that like chocolatey sm- aroma to it. Oof. Right. So good. Yes. Nice. Um, yeah. I mean, I like the Bustelo. I get, uh, the packets every now and then, and we'll add that to a regular coffee. Mm. Um, just to kind of give it, uh, that, like you said, that chocolatey essence to it. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I don't really drink hipster coffee. I just, you know, the Keurig (laughs) with my, Mm -hmm. my wife calls this my hillbilly cup. I like it, man. Because, you know, it's it's a tin cup. Yeah. See, it's got, it's got the camping handles on it, you know, so it folds up real compact. And I like it mostly because, you know, number one, I'm a fan of the industrial look. And so this kind of gives it that with the metal but it also has a flat bottom Mm -hmm. and so that works really well with my coffee warmer on my desk and so it keeps the coffee you know obviously warm until you know until the very end so yeah um most cups if it's got like a a concave underneath it it's not going to work as well so i figure well and then stainless steel it doesn't stain obviously and it also conducts heat better Mm -hmm. so you know when we were without power my coffee went cold during the during the snowstorm, and uh, you can't just throw this in the microwave to warm it up. Right. So I uh, put it on the stove, and I put it on for maybe like thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. And usually, you can you know when you make coffee fresh, you can usually grab the hand the metal handle and it's fine. Yeah. But I put it on for only thirty seconds, and the handle was too hot to touch. Yeah. Thirty seconds. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, wow, okay, coffee's hot. Yeah, that's one of the worst uh, sort of exposures to heat uh, for me is on the palm, like right in the in the middle of the palm where you grab things. But yeah, yeah that looks like the kind of cu- the open fire cup where once you're done with your coffee, you can dump a can of beans in it and put it on the warmer. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It, it is a camping cup and it actually can hold a water bottle. Mm-hmm. So like in the army, we have these, but they're, they're shaped like, uh, the, the outside of a canteen. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a kidney shape. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the canteen goes inside of it so that when you want to make coffee, you know, or you want to boil your water to, you know, warm up your food or whatever. Well, that was in the old days. Now they have warmers inside the, the rations, but 
Um, in any case, it, it was like a two for one, right? And it went into the bottom of your canteen holder, the metal part, and then you slide the canteen. So this one can do the same thing. If you get a circular pouch, mm -hmm. this folds up real compact and it can go at the bottom of your pouch and then you can stick a water bottle. So you have your water bottle, your can, and it's all in a pouch and it's supposed to help it, you know, because the pouch is like lined. So it's supposed to help it, help the water stay cooler while it's in the pouch. Nice. Um, remember that family uh, buddy of mine I grew up with? His dad was a DAV, and his oldest brother went uh, to the, uh, the Marines. They mm. this, and this is this is memory is from like back somewhere in the eighties. Um, they always had MREs just kind of around. I think his older brother <laughs> would send them, and you know they they weren't for us. Like we were kids, <laughs> but we would always be like, hey. <laughs> What do you think uh, that beef bolognese tastes like? <laughs> you know, whatever the hell it was. And so we we would bust one open, and and we didn't know what we were doing. It was always horrible because we did it wrong. But <laughs> you you talking about um, you know uh, supplies in the military when it comes to f food and consumption and how you prepare it. It, it had that flash back of that brown plastic uh, vacuum sealed MRE. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I've got some reassuring news for you. Mm. Um, there really is no way to do it wrong. Mm. So what you got was the way it was intended. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, yeah. That was the intended experience. Bone app of fucking tea. <laughs> you got <laughs> Well, in the first Gulf War, um, our MREs they didn't have they didn't have a way to to heat them, right? So again, if you wanted to like boil some water, and what we did is uh, we we ran a uh, what was called a wash rack, and um, all these units would bring their vehicles, and we would run these these steam cleaners, and they were diesel generated steam cleaners. Mm -hmm. Because we had to get every granule of sand off of vehicles before we could load them back on the ship and bring them back to the U.S. Because we could be bringing back like microbes right. and stuff. So yeah. this was hot, you know, hot jet blast steam. <laughs> right. And so we would run the we would run the um, the the steam cleaners and and the rack the area itself or units would drive up their trucks. I mean, of course we did our own, but then we would run it for other mm -hmm. units. And so what we used to do is put our packets on the exhaust of the the steam cleaner because it was a diesel right. engine you know run it running yeah. the thing so we would put it on the exhaust to get it warm because yeah. you know so now flash forward you know 13 years later 14 years later when i'm in the second gulf mm -hmm. war uh and they have these little little heater packs built into the rations okay and they stink like all because I, I, I think it's like sulfur <laughs> i mean it's so you rip it open and you throw in a little water and a chemical reaction happens and then you, you stick your pouch in there and then you watch it all bubble like, you know, some witch's brew or <laughs> yeah, something and it, <laughs> and it just stinks to high heaven. And I'm like, okay, so how is this tactical in the sense that when, you know, you've got, you know, 20 guys or 20 guys and girls, you know, warming up their stuff and the, and that collective stench. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How do you not give away you your position? You guys are out there you know? ripping a collective chemical fart all over the <laughs> desert. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Ripping ass. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Just follow your nose. You'll find. You'll find them. <laughs> oh, it must be uh, eating time. <laughs> yeah. We'll go get them in thirty minutes when they're tired. <laughs> so yeah, it was. Um, so, but uh, you know, we used them because most of the time, even though we were on a on a tactical mission, we were in a you know a fortified position or what have you. And, hmm. 
you know, in the desert, you, you're, you know, there's times to be stealthy and there's times where you don't, don't really need to be. But, uh, right. you know, but yep. it was true even in, in Vietnam, in the jungle, there was a, a fish sauce, I think, that the, um, the Vietnamese knew enough not to eat when they were on, you know, when the enemy was on combat missions, they would not eat that fish sauce because it would give you, give you away like, you know, a mile away. And, uh, and so the, the soldiers loved it. Right. So mm-hmm. the, the Viet Cong would, would not eat it. And then the soldiers would eat it and the Marines. And, and then they, that's how they would kind of find them until they finally got wise. They say, Hey, just stop, stop eating this. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. a dead giveaway. Yeah. I mean, even in, <laughs> even in the modern, uh, you know, civilian world, you, you mess around with fish sauce, you, you can smell it on yourself for like three days. <laughs> exactly. It is delicious. So, so yeah, so that's, uh, that's the story of my tin cup. And now my wife says I should be rattling this across a, uh, a jail cell. <laughs> <laughs> well, if she, you know, if she gets her way. <laughs> exactly. Or I can use this to, uh, you know, uh, maybe, uh, dance a little dance or something and maybe somebody throw a couple coins in it or something yeah (laughs) do a little do a little soft shoe out in the cold yeah (laughs) why not you know (laughs) yeah well and pay the bills and now there's some ridiculous uh dialogue around your tin cup (laughs) (laughs) the Um, things we talk about i know i know it's great (laughs) well we think it's great yeah (laughs) um Last episode, that was a blast because we were all over the board. We went, I don't know, an hour plus, and we, you know, we talked about um, efficiency methodologies. We talked about diet and exercise a lot, and one of my f- f- favorite portions because this one, if you believe it the way we believe it, and the way we spoke about it, we talk about our elders, and we've talked about. Um, mentorships and the good intentions, right? The altruistic approach. But then we even touched in a little bit on like the dream killers and be good, not better. And, and I think that's important to cover because it's not all roses, not all uh, insight or reaction or wisdom is some sage advice handed from the mountain. that's meant to better you. Sometimes it's Mm kind of meant to be a kind of a jab, a jab, Sometimes right. it's a light jab. Sometimes it's right on the nose. <laughs> and and that got me thinking, you know, uh, after that, there's also this kind of like, and this is something I think for listeners to really be aware of, is sort of the Svengali um, approach to, to mentorship, where someone's really trying to groom you to execute on their evil biddings. Mm-hmm. And that, or, and, and that's a pretty like... Uh, grand statement isn't the phrase but like their intentions aren't always evil they're just south of pure so you know it might be some older guy who wants to get younger chicks so they're hanging out with a younger guy you know like there's there's not good intentions there so i think that's something to really keep our eyes open to when we are looking for mentors or receiving you know guidance from an elder that is an Excellent uh, point, and I would say that uh, that's where the where the trust comes in. But not just trusting your mentor, but trusting yourself. If something mm-hmm. doesn't feel right, 
either investigate or you know back away entirely give yourself some space that is uh wow i mean and it's sad that everything has a dark side mm-hmm. but at the same time you know we do have to protect ourselves and, and even our loved ones i mean sometimes maybe the mentee isn't the target you know maybe somebody the mentee knows or is close to is the actual target and there's right. a, a befriending going on right you know um so yeah that's that's a an unfortunate you know, reality, hopefully not too common, but it does, it, it's there. It's there. So, yeah. And yeah. and trust, I think he said is really important. And that's something I think that needs to be, the strength of that should be tested uh, <laughs> with regularity, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and sometimes I know ways you can test how solid or, uh, you know, strong that bond is, is to not always agree, you know, like, you know, kind of propose your own idea and follow it through and see how they react. If they get really, mm-hmm. you know, sour about it and and they kind of try to make you feel bad about making your own decision, you might want to dig into that a little bit more. Like what's really motivating them to be happy when I agree and unhappy when I disagree, right? So then, yeah, I mean, and maybe that mentor isn't really looking to be a mentor, but more like a um, some kind of a an authority uh, that's mm. passing mm-hmm. the only mm-hmm. what they feel is the only truth, and anything counter to that or even slightly contrary to that, uh, you know, kind of brings down that authority, and so that's not really a mentor. Right. I mean, that's just. Yeah. It's a cult leader. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Essentially. Yeah, right. Agree with me or you sleep outside and I brand yeah. you. Yes. Yeah. We shame you and we, uh, you know, exile you and everything else. But, but that, yeah. I mean, but you're right though, because a lot of, you know, a lot of what we talked about last week was that a good mentor won't give you the answers. A good mentor might know the answer or an answer there's no there's all, not always one answer but you know the mentor may know an answer um but knows enough not to declare it at the beginning instead allows the mentee to go through the exercise of arriving yeah. at an answer yeah. and that's where the double benefit comes in if it's if it's an answer if the mentee comes up with an answer that the mentor didn't think of, well, then the mentor now just learned from the mentee because the mentee isn't so close to it. And they're thinking, you know, there's no boundaries on the thinking because you don't know, you don't know the rules of constraint yet. Right. So, um, so in many cases, the mentor can learn from the mentee and, you know, and of course insert your star Wars reference here, but um, (laughs) at the same time, um, it, you know, a, a mentor who is seasoned and is secure in themselves will let the mentee go through that exercise because that's how, that's how you learn. If you're, you know, if you're lectured to, um, that's, doesn't stand as good of a chance as if you went through the mental exercise yourself to arrive at an answer. And sometimes it might even be the same answer that the mentor already knew. But if it's a different answer, then you both learn something at the same time. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a fun journey when, when done right. And I think that the, the expected outcome in mentorships is that you both develop, 
right? Yeah, and just by handing out answers like candy, there's not a lot of development. It's enablement at that point. So, yeah, making them put in the work and uh, um, arrive with 10 different solutions and, and narrow that, that down to finally one, that's development. Um, my uh, my oldest nephew, who's now in the Air Force, um, and having a blast. He's he's <laughs> having a great awesome. time. Yeah, he really is. Um, he uh, really... I think like his in 10th or 11th grade of high school, he got super duper into music. He was playing sax and, you know, by the choice of that instrument, uh, that that's a little bit of a, a starting point or, a, you know, launching point into the kind of music you're going to be playing or researching, you know, the kind of greats you're going to be um, looking into and trying to, maybe mimic their style or understand what made them great. And I know a lot about music. I don't know everything. I can't play music, but I just asked him to talk about it. Like we'd have these long conversations and sometimes you get into a piece of the conversation where you're not talking about music specifically per se. You're talking about getting deep into something you're really interested in, exploring it to the edge, then telling yourself there is no edge, and then explore further and further as you get more comfortable with those boundaries and you can start kind of breaking the rules. And it's just about discovery and it's self-discovery and it's discovering this whole new, you know, institution that you knew nothing about, but millions of people have been uh, living and thriving in for centuries and it, so it's you know we got into very broad conceptual exchanges and then we weave in and out of music and 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 I couldn't pretend to be the authority on it but hopefully you know there was some transferable uh knowledge or discovery in those little sessions well and isn't that isn't that really kind of a metaphor for for life mm. in the sense that whatever, whatever it is that you're passionate about, you know, like you said, you're, you're weaving in and out of music, but you're also applying it to other aspects. Mm. So, you know, name, name your, name your, your skill or your talent and equate that to being a metaphor for life in general. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think that as a mentor, you don't necessarily have to know it all. No. And I'll, I'll quote my dad again. He used to tell me, a know-it-all usually doesn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and that, that in itself was pretty profound because, you know, really nobody does like a know-it-all. Uh, and if you do purport to know it all, well, then you've just lost all your credibility because if you're open, no matter how long you've been doing said thing, no matter how long you've been doing it, you might be deemed uh, an expert. Yeah. But even an expert would not declare themselves as the ultimate, you know, knowledge of that topic. They they even would say, I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. You know, at least the good ones. The ones that I would listen to would say, I don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. But I know where to go and look for a particular answer to a particular question. Mm-hmm. Right? But I'm you know, not necessarily a walking encyclopedia. And that's that's especially a challenge in the IT industry is that 
in the IT industry, you know, companies want to hire you based on your encyclopedic knowledge of standards and of, um, you know, just different metrics of, not of measurement, but different metrics of, of bandwidth and all these really, you know, they're static things, mm-hmm. but it, you know, over the years, an interview for an IT position evolved from a, why should we hire you type discussion mm-hmm. into a quiz show right. where, and I call them quiz show interviews where <laughs> they, they are, they have a list. They may or they or may not themselves know the answers, mm-hmm. but there's all the buzzwords crammed into one, one sheet of paper. Where all the questions, yeah, a rapid fire Q and A, no soul, yeah, nothing. They don't want to know about you. They want to know what's in your brain. Yeah, and the minute you get one wrong, well, then you're disqualified, and they'll bring in the next contestant. Mm-hmm. And so, I had made it, <laughs> I had made it very clear if I was working with a headhunter or seeking out positions on my own, the one thing I stopped tolerating, uh, probably about a good. 15, 20 years ago is no quiz show interviews. If you want to interview me as a person, as a problem solver, how do I think through things? Happy to share that. Happy to share real life experiences. You know, tell me a time mm-hmm. when, yeah. and then insert your, your scenario. And then I'll, I'll, you know, speak to it if I've experienced it, or if I haven't, then I can speak to it as, you know, how I would approach it. Mm-hmm. based on the information being given to me at the moment. If there's new information or if there's more information, that answer may change. But the quiz show, no. And I even had an interview where, where the interviewer was, you know, going down the list and I said, okay, well, you know, let me, let me just say up front, I'm not, I'm not very well versed in that particular discipline of IT. Mm. So any questions that you're going to ask me related to that, I'm not going to really know the answer to. And if that's what you're, if you need somebody who's very strong in that area, then that, that really isn't me. And I just figured, you know, I'd save us some time. Um, But if there are other areas that you want experience in, then by all means, let's, let's focus on those questions. And they went right to the next question, which was still in the area I had very little knowledge of. They wouldn't go off (laughs) script. man. I've been in quiz show, like, yeah, very on script, you know, mandated from the sea level down, just go through the punch list. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been in interviews that seem so organic. You're like, wow, was that an interview? That was a really, like, kind of, like, uh, invigorating conversation. I learned a lot about them. I feel like they learned about me. And I can tell you from my own experience the the actual job experiences after those interview models mm-hmm. it was always better in the uh, organic conversation style because they the employer they're obviously a little bit more enlightened um or that's just their culture which lines up with the culture you and I are talking yes. about but they get to they get to hear a lot more and get more insight on like the, your choice of words, you know, or the way you kind of view that experience, what, what angle you viewed it at, not just like on paper, yes. but like you as a human being, how you take in knowledge and then you kind of give that back out. Yeah. And, and yet how you approach things where, you know, how do you, you know, how do you assess something 
if you assess it at all. Um, so, you know, that's like with that quiz show interview, when they just kept asking the questions in the area that I had no knowledge of or very little knowledge of, I, I ended the interview. I said, well, I'm, I, I don't see why we're going to continue, <laughs> you know, I have you ever, have you ever done that? Have you shut it down? I did that one. Oh, I did. Man. I shut it down. I said, Gosh. I said, well, I, I can tell that maybe you're looking for somebody who has more experience in that area and that's fine, but I, I don't think I'm your guy. <laughs> but I'll take another cup of coffee and just sit in this room until our time is over. <laughs> well, well, actually, no, I mean, it was a phone interview. It was yeah, a phone yeah. interview and I was doing it out of my car cause I didn't want my current employer to know, but, um, but it was one of those where it's like, okay, it, you know, that told me a lot right there. Number one, that they weren't, you know, I don't want to say smart enough, but they weren't. They themselves weren't seasoned enough to understand what a waste of time yeah. looks like. Yeah, uh, and that meant a lot to me because I don't like wasting time, as we as we all know. If you've listened to any of our episodes, <laughs> um, but you know, at the same time, I I couldn't count on any support if this was to go mm. further, mm-hmm. or or at the end of the day. Uh, you know, I'm still not the guy they're looking for. And I just would have spent X amount of time extra to get the same result that I knew we were going to get, you know, just a few minutes in when they wouldn't go off script. Now, there was another time, though, when I did interview for a, a position and they actually flew me to Houston for the interview. And I was, you know, sitting with, uh, you know, a senior uh, a senior person, uh, he wasn't quite a director yet, but he was, he was in a, in a more senior it level. And he kept, he was asking me about if you're, you know, at a client site, cause this was for a consulting firm. If you're at a client site and they needed, uh, you know, an email server, how would you, how would you, how would you stand up a, a mail mm-hmm. server? And I said, well, I, you know, and I went through mm-hmm. the steps and, it, and there were very broad steps because it was a very broad question. And I was like, well, okay, I would, you know, install, you know, server, a server operating system on a, you know, designated machine and then uh, would configure it for security and then, you know, configure the, uh, the SMTP, you know, email gateway for outbound email and make sure all the ports worked, you know, and I just, I went through all that and he goes, okay, but how would you stand it up? Hmm. And in my mind, I was like, I just told you. <laughs> Were you, were you not listening yeah. or, and, uh, and I, so I, I repeated, I said, well, like I said, I would, you know, stand up the server and configure the server for, you know, maximum security, put a server OS on it and then put the SMTP, you know, outbound gateway, you know, run through all the tests, make sure it works. And he goes, yeah, but how? And so after the I third, click on yeah, this, but how I, I navigate to that. I, yeah, well, I because we're in an interview room. We're in a in a small space. There's no computer there. Um and nor was I going to do that on the yeah. spot because you know why? Uh so basically when he asked the third, yeah, but how? I said, "Well, I don't really think I'm understanding mm-hmm. your question, so I don't think I'm going to answer it to your satisfaction." Mm-hmm. Because I don't have a lot of information based on the question, and I was just going through the broad steps of you know, what I think you would normally do, not saying, so in other words, I didn't say, well, I'm going through the steps that you would do to stand up a server. I'm saying I would go through the steps I would think you would normally do to stand up a server, but anything more detailed than that, I I don't know what you're, what you're looking for in that answer. And he went on to the next question. Uh, he said, okay, fair enough. And I thought, I'm not getting the job. I'm not getting yeah. the job. But 
I got the job. Okay. Wow. I ended up getting the job. And then on my very first yeah. assignment, he was he was uh, basically our our program lead for that client engagement. Okay. So I ended up working under him, not directly, but I was on his overall team yeah. on my first assignment. And he was actually excited to have me. He actually asked for me to be on. Huh. So I think in that answer, just being honest, yeah. maybe did something where he knew he could trust mm. me. Yeah, because that could go either way. Like a little sour note in an interview, it's sometimes hard to recover from because you're you're strangers, right? There's no there's no credit in in each other's bank for for those moments. So you're just like, wow, we're, you know, we're not communicating well. Well, yes and no. I mean, I didn't I didn't say it bluntly. I said, you know, I was as diplomatic as I could be. But you know, sometimes sometimes you know when the answer is no. Right. Or in my case, I was saying, I don't know, but I was expressly stating why I don't know. And that's because I didn't have every bit of information to give you a detailed answer that you're mm -hmm. looking for. So if you want to give me more details, we can whiteboard it and do all that. You know, that was all the unspoken stuff. But if you want to give me details, we can whiteboard it. If not, and we're just talking, you know, face to face, then I don't know what else you could be looking for. And I, although I don't know, I never really asked him, uh, but I would think that, especially when we're talking about a consulting position where you're going to be with clients and big clients. I mean, these, this was a, a very big, you know, consulting firm. They went, they went for the big, the big boys. And I think if anything, it reassured him that if I don't know something that I'm not going to bullshit him. Yeah. Hmm. You see, and that, and maybe that built trust. Like, okay. I mean, he tried, right. In, in other words, I'm thinking as the interviewer, well, he tried a couple of times and then I, I pushed back because maybe that's what a client yeah. would do. Yeah. Push back and I'm going to be vague, but I want you to be right. specific. Right. You yeah. see? So maybe he was simulating a client interaction and then I didn't lose mm. my cool. I didn't get flustered. I didn't, you know, pound my fists on the desks. Uh, I just said, well, for the, for the information I'm being given, I don't know that I have enough to give you the kind of detailed answer that, that you'd be looking right. for, which gave him the option to either give me more detail or we could move on to the next thing. Cause I wasn't going to, it was clear. I wasn't going to give him anything more because my answer didn't change. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It, again, I feel like it's one of those things, depending on all the dynamics of interviews it could have gone either way, but it sounded like it ended up working yes. out well, not in, not just in the fact that you got the job, but, um, the sort of like credibility you, you sort of earned right there on the spot. <laughs> and, and that seemed to put you in, in, you know, good graces with him. And isn't that really the, isn't that the tone you kind of want to set when you first start somewhere with anything? I don't, I don't mean just IT, but wouldn't you rather come in being called a straight shooter than, well, you got to watch out for this guy because if he doesn't know an answer, he gets really slippery. Yeah. Uh, I'd rather be known as the straight shooter. Yeah. I, 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 I like throwing out ideas, but that's when we're in a no bad ideas session. 
not just grabbing stuff out of the air to make myself yes. appear as an authority at this at this point in like both our careers you can pull upon experience mm -hmm. whether it's and and I feel like this is exactly what we're talking about whether it's experience with this very specific niche vocation or you zoom out and it's experiences of this type, how to navigate this very specific interaction, right? Agreed. I've been uh, agreed. Uh, I have probably been doing more interaction coaching in the past two weeks than I have in the past two years, okay. maybe even yeah. longer. Just in the sense that you know we're 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 trying to we're trying to hash out all my dad's you know final resting details, and there are different personalities at play. And I know what what I want, and that is what my dad mm. wants. Nothing more, nothing less. No deviations, no interpretations, yeah. no, yeah, but what if? No, it, if he said it, that's what needs yeah. to happen. You know, said it meaning on yeah. paper. And so I find myself coaching, like, while not trying to play favorites, I, I find myself coaching folks in my family, both immediate and extended, on how to actually engage in a conversation where basically everything's in negotiation. Mm -hmm. And it's sad to say, I mean, my, my, my father's you know, funeral and his services aren't a business negotiation, at least not from our perspective, maybe for the funeral home. But, um, but at the same time, though, I find that as I'm coaching different family members on how to approach things a little less, um, you know, aggravated and a little less, you know, dig your heels in and I'm right and fold your arms and, you know, yeah. and then nobody's listening yeah. to one another because you've all done that. I find myself really advising them and encouraging them to open up. Like instead of saying how something's going to be, why don't you ask how they think something's mm -hmm. going to be? And then you can discuss what your idea of what something's going to be. And now it's a discussion. And yeah, that takes more time. But you can dig in your heels, say you're right, and then, you know, alienate everyone around you who doesn't agree with you. Or you can all talk it through and you can all understand why you have a, an opinion on a certain thing. And that opinion might make sense. Or they might help you understand why your opinion may not make the most sense in the, you know, in the grander scheme of what somebody else wants, you know, in regards to their death. And so I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I, I do look at life as a series of negotiations and that doesn't mean it's all business what it means is is that we all have wants we all have needs and you can't arrive at a mutual agreement until you understand what those wants and the needs are of the person that you're that you're you know sitting across from and so when it comes to that I even try to approach the interviews the same way is this is a negotiation. And if I don't know an answer, I'll say, I don't, this is my favorite go-to line. So, you know, write this down if you need to, because this has gotten me through so many interviews 
if I don't know the answer, I will flat out say, I don't know the answer, and rather than make one up and be wrong, I would like the opportunity to research that answer and provide you that answer after this interview. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, let me follow up with with you on that, which I think demonstrates a lot of um, sort of self-confidence. And like, look, I don't know it, but I know I can find the answer, just not right here on the spot. Right. And I'm account and I'm accountable enough to, to follow up with you on that. Well, and, and then, and then do it right. Actually do it. And I'll tell you, when I first got into the information security discipline of it, I, I haven't been in, you know, information security, my whole career, I've had different focuses, different areas of specialty throughout my, my 30 plus years. But when I was first getting into security, I was in an interview and my interviewer was asking me a lot of those. It wasn't a quiz show, but he was asking me some some very technical questions for some things that I hadn't had to think about for at least 10, 15 Mm -hmm. years. So again, I'm not a walking encyclopedia. I'll retain what I need to retain and will have to sometimes put away that which I don't need every day, right? right? So I I told him, I don't know the answer, but I would really appreciate the opportunity to research it and provide you with an answer. And we did it on three Mm -hmm. questions. And he said, okay, that'll be fine. And so naturally I thought, okay, well, he said it's fine, but I probably don't have the job, (laughs) but I'm going to do it anyway. And what I did was not only did I research the answer, but I even in my email response to him, I thanked him for giving me the opportunity to research the answer. And then I said something like, because I don't like not knowing something, you right. know, something like that. Uh, but I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to provide these answers for you. And, I, and then I said, but rather than copy and paste from a web page, I'm going to summarize my understanding of the web page that has the answer, meaning I'm going to write it up myself. I'm not going to just, boom, you know, it's not going to cookie cutter it. As they say, in your own words. Yes. Yes. So I did that with all three. Uh, And again, not expecting anything. I just once again thanked him. And if there's anything else you'd like to discuss, you know, feel free to let me know. I'm happy to, to talk with you again. Um, and again, I just, I sent it, I sent it thinking I probably didn't get the job, but I was grateful because now I knew those answers, you see, and that made me a better person because now I, I re-remembered something that I hadn't had to remember for years on end. Yeah. So I was grateful because that interview at the end of it all made me a more knowledgeable person. Right. Yeah, there was an, there was two opportunities there for you, right? <laughs> Potentially. Yeah. 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 Uh, and you know what? I got the job. Yeah. I got the job. Um, if I could dip back into the word negotiation real quick. Sure. Um, word meanings are really, like, really important to me. I mean, I don't know. I feel like they should be to all of us. But, you know, the common sort of... Um, misunderstanding of the word argument you know uh, it's just opposing viewpoints 
going back and forth. And the word uh, negotiate, it's just let's figure out how we're going to get through this and, and get through it. You can negotiate the side of a mountain with your body. You know, that that's what that word means. Even like the word purchase, you know, a, you can only have so much foot purchase on a rock and that has to do with the space provided and the amount of security you can get from it. So we have all these words that we just kind of lazily use for singular reasons Mm-hmm. But yeah, negotiate doesn't mean, all right, I'm going to um, put on my toupee and my plaid pants and my polyester shirt and, <laughs> and, and swindle you. It just means yeah. let's agree how we're going to get through this together. Very well said. And adversary is another one of those words yeah. that seems yeah. to have a negative connotation, mm-hmm. right? And, and like you said, an argument isn't rooted in hostility. An argument is rooted in differences of ideas. There it is. Right? Yeah. So your adversary is not your mortal enemy that you must fight to the death. Your adversary is the person who disagrees with you or has a different point of view. And even in, in, even in contract negotiations, your adversary is the person that you're negotiating with right. to land a contract. Right, right, which immediately draws up visuals of like swords and shields and yeah, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. you're a worthy adversary, yeah. you know. And yeah. So we've seen it in too many swashbuckling movies, uh, but you know, you're right. And if if you really drill even deeper into that, you can't have a successful or productive discussion, negotiation, agreement. You name it, you can't have any of those unless you're both speaking the same language. Mm-hmm. And even though you're saying the same words, that doesn't mean you're speaking the same language in that you may have a different understanding of a word than I do. Yeah. And that's why I think people think legalese is just so tedious because in legalese, you have to define everything so that there is no ambiguity. Right. You see? And so uh, I think in a lot of today's uh, conflicts, uh, uh, conflicts of ideas. And I, I think that the frustration, at least my observation is that this frustration comes from, well, I said this thing and you're denying that it exists. Mm. Well, are but what you're, what you're saying about this thing, does that really mean what you think it means or does it mean what I think it means? Like the princess bride. I do not think yeah. it means what you think it means. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and think about that, right? It's, it's basically where there are certain words that are buzzwords on, you know, each side of a camp mm-hmm. and yet each side carries a different definition of the same word, even though you're using the same word. So if I'm saying, you know, green, can we agree that, that this is green? Well, you know, if green means a combination of, you know, blue and red, then yeah, we can agree that's green. But if you think that green is a combination of, you know, uh, you know, blue and, and, and yellow black, Mm -hmm or yellow, then we're obviously a miss. Yeah, and I think that's and where... we're never going to agree. Yeah, that's a really, really good point, the speaking the same language. Um, there's a funny little saying about um, England and the U.S. 
you know, um, wow, what is it? Two, um, two countries separated by a common language or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, and I think that's where you find yourself in these, um, conversations or arguments where they just start becoming circular and repetitive because, uh, you're, you're trying to make your point like, like the interview. I mean, as you were describing that to me, it started to sound like the definition of insanity. Like you keep asking the same question with the same words. Let's maybe diversify the approach and going back to like, like, you know, like whether it's, um, domestic, uh, conversations or arguments or it's with friends or at work. Yeah. Not understanding fully what the, what the, the, the weight, gravity, meaning, importance of all the words that your adversary is using, um, that can be actually bad for you. Mm-hmm. Right, if you're mm-hmm. if you're missing the their point, not the point, but their point, right? Because my there's you, me, and somewhere in the middle is the truth. So, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, to me, that's the point. Like what's really happening that neither one of us can see because we're so deep in the trees. But um, yeah, re- really good. Well, and not and not so deep. We we may have reached a false agreement because. Mm. Right. You're agreeing to the to to a word that I said because you think that word means what's agreeable to you, and I think the word what's agreeable. So we shake hands on it, right? And then I end up doing the opposite of what you think we agreed to. Right. But I'm like, but we but we said we would do that, right? And right. you're like, not that. <laughs> and and so yeah, we said and, that, but not your version of that. Not your version of that, exactly. Yeah. Now this brings about a, a it was an audio book that i listened to um called start with no uh by jim camp and mm-hmm. you know we're going to add that in the show notes uh start with no by jim camp it was an audio book it's a i guess you can find it in you know paperback and what have you but um it was a profound it, it was a profound audio book in that it was about the art of negotiation mm-hmm. and it was Jim Camp was a, a door-to-door salesman who really got tired of having doors slammed in his face. And he, you know, obviously when you're a door-to-door salesman, your livelihood depends on you making sales. Mm-hmm. And so he thought to himself, how can I, you know, and remember that's my favorite internal question is how can I, how can I get fewer doors, you know, slammed in my face and how can I open more doors? And so he just decided to try, uh, starting with no, basically, you know, how, I think he was selling like vacuum cleaners or, you know, bottled water or something, but. So this was a while ago. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so it was basically, and I'm paraphrasing because I hadn't listened to it in a while, but I, I still think of it whenever I hear the word negotiation, I think of this, this audio book. And basically he, he said, look. I'm here to talk about this and let's go ahead and assume that you're, that you don't want it. Let's assume you're going to say no. Mm -hmm. Now with that assumption, I'd like to still tell you about this product and A, B, C, and D, Mm -hmm. but we're starting with no, we already know it's a no. (laughs) Right. Right. 
And so it kind of disarms somebody, doesn't it? I mean, it disarms them like, oh, because people think salesmen are like Jedi masters where they're going to mind trick you into buying something you didn't really want or need. And he wasn't there to do that. And he made that pretty clear up front. We're going to start with no. If you don't need it, you don't need it. Mm -hmm. However, I would feel better if you were to know some of the things that this can do so that if you ever change your mind, I'd be the, you know, the first person you'd call. And again, I'm paraphrasing. So I listened to this audiobook. Uh, I started it a couple of days before, not because I knew I was going into a negotiation, but it just happened that I was starting to listen to it a couple of days before I entered a negotiation for my uh, for my own consulting practice mm-hmm. to take on a new client. And I was also listening to it on the way to the meeting. And one of the things... He, he would say is um, a typical exchange might go, you know, hey, potential client, I want to do services for you. I think, you know, we can do a great job. And the the potential client says, yeah, sounds good. Why don't you drop a proposal and send it to me and I'll have a look at it. Mm-hmm. And for him, his favorite retort to that was, yeah, I can drop a proposal, but what would it say? And that would kind of catch the the client off guard. Like, well, what do you mean? You you want to do services? Yeah, but which services are going to best suit you and best address your needs? And so, again, you can't keep things too vague, too general. You need to drill down into those details. And when somebody, again, like you said, lazily says, yeah, well, drop a proposal and, and I'll have a look. That's too lazy. It's too broad. Hmm. You really want to narrow it down because that's the definition of a scope, right? And if you don't have a scope as to what you're going to be doing, you don't know if you did a good job or not because there was nothing to measure it against. Yeah. Yep. So you have to be specific, but you also have to encourage the adversary that you're you know, speaking with to be specific so that you can then have specific uh, solutions or approaches that that meet that and then you both know what a good job looks like yeah i think it saves everybody a lot of time and you know like by asking those questions up front one internally gives you a green or a red light am i even going to you know waste time on this is there are they asking for something that's relevant Mm -hmm. to something i do well or something people give me money for uh but yeah it it helps to find scope and and i often find um clients across the board they know what they want very specifically down to the dollar and some don't Mm -hmm. know what really a scope is and i've got different ways of approaching that like for the no scope ones hey here's a bunch of questions at your leisure (laughs) (laughs) respond and i might not have another round of questions but at least this will help my proposal start to take shape well, and it gauges their seriousness. Mm. If they're willing to answer the questionnaire, that means they want the help. If they don't, that just means they were giving you lip service. And that, again, that's not a bad thing per se. Sometimes people don't know how to say no. Um, so they'll, they'll, they'll kind of, you know, put you off or do things that kind of put you off in the, in the future. And, you know, yeah, I'll get back to you. That's, that's usually the fair. I'll get back to you. And then you never do. Right. But if you're asking somebody for specifics, you're not asking them for how to how to solve their own problem. You're asking them though, what what problem did you want solved? 
like you said, so I can determine if my my solutions are a match for your problem, right? I'm not going to create a problem for my solution. <laughs> right. A real salesperson would say, look, you've got a problem, and this is why I think that what I've got right here would solve that problem. Not because I want you to spend money just to spend money. It's because I want it to actually solve a problem for you. Yeah, yeah. Back on the uh, start with no thing, um, I'm not a, a expert or even a novice at psychology, but I have to think in the in the sort of you know pitch and receive dynamic of oh hey buddy thanks for showing up on my doorstep unannounced. Um, <laughs> the receiver, the the potential prospect, they're sitting on no, and they're just looking for a gap in the conversation to politely or directly or rudely say no. And they oftentimes don't hear what's being sent to them because all they're focused on is finding a gap to say no. So this guy gets the elephant, you know, in the room and goes, all right, <laughs> let's pretend you've had a chance to say that. Now, they're not thinking about it anymore. They're thinking about, okay, I've already got my out. Right. It's been given. I don't, I don't need to focus on it this entire conversation. So, yeah, what do you got to say? Exactly. Exactly. And then once again, though, the yes becomes the prospect's idea, not the salesperson's. Right, right. You see? Yeah, it's a reversal. It's a switch. It's pretty smart. While disarming at the same time. And disarming not in the sense that you're vulnerable disarmed. Disarmed in the sense that you don't have the walls up, that you're not able to take in anything new. Yeah. And potentially beneficial. Potentially. Right? Yeah. That's great. That's great stuff. Um, you want to take a little break and then like yeah, start yeah. start the show? Yeah, we were <laughs> we were on a roll, weren't we? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Let's go ahead and take a break. Awesome. If you're interested in learning more about today's topic, be sure to sign up for our email list at hdtwoshow.substack.com and subscribe to our email list to have the show notes delivered right to your inbox. And we're back. We're back. Oh, did we time fresh it? Fresh coffee. <laughs> yeah. Got that caffeinated freshness. And the taste of my tin cup. <laughs> mm. So did you get that recently or have you had that a while? I got it about two months ago. Yeah. 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 And again, I bought it for the like express it. purpose of, because I got a coffee warmer at the same time. Yeah. And I bought my wife a coffee warmer. And in order to, because I, I buy her things that I think she might like, and then she ends up, like, not using them. So I end up wasting a lot of money. So this time, I said, yeah. I bought a warmer for your coffee to have on your desk, cause, you know, since she works from home now, or mostly at home now. So you can keep your coffee warm. But then I had to think, but if she says no to the coffee, like, I don't want to keep my coffee warm, which... Yeah, she said. <laughs> what else could it be used <laughs> right, for? So I bought her a, 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 a candle in a jar, and you can put that on the warmer. Hmm. And instead of lighting right. the wick, it warms the wax and it aromates the room. That's off yeah. the perfume. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. now she only uses it for that. <laughs> well, that's fantastic, man. Switcheroo. Switcheroo. <laughs> uh, anyway. I like it. That, that, uh, cup reminds me of uh, as a kid we camped a lot pretty rough style nothing fancy it was like 
pup tent on the ground. Same here. Oh, yeah. And it was like, you know, and a sleeping bag usually, but you could feel whatever was under on the ground under the tent while you <laughs> slept. And like usually near a body of water. So that's where you would bathe in the morning and nice river or something. And there's always campfires and it was always, you know, the typical fare is hot dogs or can of beans or maybe an egg if we really had our shit together and <laughs> we <laughs> got some perishables. Really? I remember the yeah. smell of bacon, bacon out, out in the woods, man. That that was like a great smell. It, but I have to think it happened. It'd be like corned beef hash on the, because that's super easy and tasty. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. It, it takes me back to all that. And of course, marshmallows. That was a staple <laughs> with kids. Uh, one time we, um, I don't know what our, our dad was thinking, but he, my sister and me, we camped at this Boy Scout camp where we knew the director. He was a family friend and to the point to where like they would hang out at his house and drink wine and smoke pot while we <laughs> played at the pool table downstairs. And um, off season, he said, you guys can come stay whenever. Like we'd stay in the cabins, like the legit Boy Scout log cabins. This was also in the day where Friday the 13th was on everybody's mind the movie series or the movie at that time yeah and those cabins on that lake scared the living <laughs> shit out of me but anyway this one time we it was just the three of us and we camped and he woke up and went to work i guess he showered at work and went and had his work day so my sister and i woke up by ourselves i'm like i don't know 10 so she would be about 13 or somewhere around there, nine and 12. And our dog was with us. And so I, I, I guess I was always in a really adventurous kid. I love to explore. I love to just see what was out there, you know. So I walked up to the main um, supplies building where you could get canoes and paddles and anything to do stuff with bow and arrow, all that stuff. So I got a canoe and I was like, oh, I'm going to paddle from here to our campsite. And I'm, again, I'm a kid. And uh, our dog started to follow me into the lake. And I'm like, oh, dumb dog. You know, I'll just paddle faster and she'll get discouraged and she'll go back to shore and she'll run the main two track back to the campsite. So I'm paddling fast. So there's more distance and here she comes. And, you know, you can see her, you know, she's coming for me and swimming, doggy paddle. (laughs) Uh, And I'm like, Oh shit, she ain't she's so far committed in now. If I don't turn around, I started to really worry for her. So I turn around and I approach her sideways with the canoe. And, you know, I do what I can to get her front legs in. And as soon as I got her front legs in, you know, like past the dog elbow, mm-hmm. <laughs> I I I was like, okay, this is a real critical moment. We're gonna make it or drink it. And I just, I got lucky. I positioned myself just right. Got my feet in front of me and my backside way behind the counter and just started hoisting her in. And of course, she's trying to help with scratching her little back legs and stuff. And she finally got a leg over and she was in and she was happy as a clam. And we paddled back to the campsite and... You know, I was a strong swimmer. I I grew up in the Great Lakes State, so, Mm. like, I'd fallen into rivers canoeing before, like, 
rapid rivers and, and you just gotta you gotta come up with a plan fast mm-hmm. and i was i wasn't worried about myself i was just i remember that like she, she's an animal she would have been fine probably looking back and as a kid it, it might have just been a hundred yards but to me it seemed like i was halfway through the lake mm-hmm. so I don't know. Those that's a camping memory, and it, it you know what it is. It's an autonomous moment where you feel like you were tested and you succeeded, and I think that's why it really, you know, sticks with me still today. I think it was a good move uh, to help the dog. <laughs> I mean, because yeah. sometimes, and I think maybe with dogs, maybe more than I don't know a bear. Uh, I think dogs tend to be a more emotional animal than yeah. others. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so that so the dog may have been leading with its emotion of I want to get to you I want to get to you no matter what, not realizing that if you were to have left it, it may very well have not been able to make it back to shore. Yeah, you're right. Oops, and you're right. Um, I I think there's this kind of like, why are you leaving me? To you know, kind of playing on that on that idea of of dogs and their emotions and there's a it might have chipped away at her loyalty later you know <laughs> she might have been like let you know weeks later like oh usually i jump in front of you and bark but i'm just gonna let you handle this on your own <laughs> you know a pedantic dog it's like remember that time you screwed me and left me in the middle of goddamn lake <laughs> Yeah, so loyalty is not taken for granted with a dog. <laughs> That's the lesson we're learning. Yeah, you today. do your job, I'll do <laughs> mine. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> so funny. So, how was your week, man? Uh, the week was. That's a hard one to answer. Uh, well, I mean, first of all, it was it was nice and warm and full of electricity, so that was a good thing. <laughs> nice change. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, work-wise, it's it's still great. I mean, um, we just I just got a, a three-year plan just got unveiled to me uh, earlier in the week, and typically when there's like more work involved, I'm like, you know, slow clapping, yay, you know. But this time, the three-year <laughs> the three-year roadmap that that we have set out for my my particular team is exciting. So it's. Very Mm -hmm. thrilling, something I can really sink my teeth into. And then, as with all things, not extremely stressful. It's not, at least here, not life and death, even though the simplest things, the most trivial things can be life and death somewhere else at another firm. So, so, you know, you get the challenge and you also get the the ability to kind of raise your hand and say, okay, I'm taking on too much, too, too quick. Can we slow it down? And they're happy to do that. Um, which I haven't gotten there yet, not by any stretch. Um, and then it's kind of spending the week trying to help get, you know, my dad's, you know, services and funeral, trying to help in whatever way I can. Yeah. I'm not planning any of it. Um, but again, as I'd mentioned earlier, just trying to help those that are planning it be able to see each other and not through each other as to, um, you know, yeah. really what that what that what that uh you know memorial and burial would look like together or separately if needed you know two different members of the family each doing their own thing you know so what does that look like so 
I, yeah, it sounds like you've got the patience of a saint oh. that uh, plays a role of peacekeeper. I do because it's my dad, um, and yeah. and I'm not going to lie. I mean, both sides, both sides that are opposing each other are are both women, <laughs> and that presents okay. a challenge sure. because you know. And and again, I'm going to probably get in trouble for stereotyping. And thank goodness my wife's not here because she gets very mad. When I well, you can talk realize. about them as individuals, like these. Yeah, okay. So then, these two women, women which <laughs> yeah. aligns with my experience of a lot of other women. <laughs> so I won't say all women. Um, you know, they they're a combination of emotional and headstrong, and mm. both want to want to do what they think is right by my dad. And I can't say any one of them is, is wrong in trying to adhere to what my dad wanted, but maybe one is being a little more, um, uh, shall we say, interpreting things a little more loosely than the other. And mm. so anyway, it's one of those where it's hard not to pick sides. And so I have picked a side, but that doesn't mean that I'm out to destroy the person that I don't agree with. It's a matter of helping that person, at least my mission is to maybe help that person see the benefit of maybe abandoning some of the more, um, you know, the, the more, uh, loosely interpreted elements, you know, yeah. and maybe go with a little more of the straightforwardness that, that my dad to the letter. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, to the letter, right? I mean, why add to that if you don't need to? He wanted it simple. Why are we complicating this? Uh, th that's kind of what's going through my mind. So I guess I'm using my influence to try to influence that person to maybe dial back some of the extras that are being added in mm -hmm. that he didn't really say he wanted, or but he also didn't say he didn't mm -hmm. want. Um, but sometimes when you say something, you know, like when you state something in its simplest terms, like he wanted it very, he wanted, it was a two-step deal, cremation mm. and burial, mm. right? He didn't say anything about memorial service. He didn't say anything about anything, you know, uh, receptions and catered events and none of that. So I, I'd like to think that if he wanted that, he would have stated that. Yeah. So... Uh, but others might say, well, he didn't say he didn't want it, so why can't we do that if that's what we want to do? <laughs> right. <laughs> and if we can't all collectively agree, we should do nothing, not stuff that we've all imagined. Uh, well, no, not really do nothing, but each do it their way that they believe is the right way, right? So you've got one mm -hmm. of the ladies that would do the extras and then you got the other lady that would want to do to the letter. And I'm more mm -hmm. of in the, to the letter camp, uh, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. for good, bad or indifferent, that's, that's where I land. But I've been spending the last two weeks, um, you know, after work weekends, working the phones like a politician, um, just trying <laughs> right. to, and I, and I'm not trying to just push my views. I, I take the time to listen to why somebody thinks differently. Hey, let me ask you a question out of my sure. own curiosity. Are you surprised? Um, because, you know, I think about 
thankfully my both my sets of parents have their affairs in order and you know everything's real clear and but then people get weird right people get weird and i and it makes me start to think like man is my sister just going to pull out the bitch card and all of a sudden go <laughs> left and i'm like who are you and and in that scenario i'd be very surprised uh, are you finding yourself surprised or is this pretty predictable behavior that's a hard one to answer because the person that is wanting to add the extras, it's no surprise that she wants to add the extras. Yeah. It's also no surprise that she wants everything her way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that part is no surprise. I, And I can't really say I'm surprised that we're all kind of, you know, we're, we're all kind of like jumping in with our own opinions and whatnot. I'm not really surprised about it. I'm just, I guess I'm disappointed that, that something so common is also happening in this instance, right? In other words, you hear a lot about, you know, families kind of arguing and stuff, at, you know, and so the fact that we're no different kind of disappoints me a little bit. Like, sure. Yep. We're, we're every bit. Of, I mean, granted that makes us human. Um, but I, I know my dad tried to specify everything to eliminate this very thing and yet we're still doing it. And so right. Right. that's the disappointing part is that there's always somebody who thinks they know better that, you know, well, he must've meant this. Well, he didn't say it though. And there's always that person that says, yeah, but I, I know, I know he would have wanted, no, you don't know what he would have wanted. Cause then he would have said what he wanted. So yeah. You know, it, it's one of those, uh, the letter or the spirit, you know, which, which yeah. do you go with? Yeah, man, that's, I don't, I don't envy that position. I, I hope that, um, you know, cause I, th I think, you know, as we all get up there in years, especially my parents, despite what I say, they have their affairs in order. There's going to be stickiness. Just it's, I think it's always there somewhere, but just the idea of like, handling their affairs and closing down their estates that's that in itself just the going through these you know well plotted steps mm -hmm. that in itself is enough you know it's hard i imagine it's very hard and then you add in that bullshit mm -hmm. <laughs> you know it's mm -hmm. it, it's um it takes away from everybody else that it does. Um, and the person that wants to add these extras, I mean, she was named the executor of his trust and his will. Mm, mm, so yeah. she feels that she's got, you know, the law on her side, being that she the was authority. named. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and yet the other is a grieving widow. And so, you know, you would think, well, the grieving widow would have rights too or would have a say. Um, so again, letter or spirit, right? The letter says, this is the person that's going to execute the will and the trust. That's what was specified on paper. Mm -hmm. And yet you have a grieving widow. They were only married six weeks. And so, you know, does she have enough tenure to earn a seat at the table? I say yes. You know, right. even if it was for one day, right. um, you know, 
So again, there's, there's a lot of questions and it did prompt my wife and I, and I even told my wife, I said, look, every time I bring it up, you say that's morbid and we shouldn't think about that, blah, blah, blah. We need to, Yeah. we need to be unambiguous Yeah. and we even need to put in kind of like the founding fathers. We need to put in a safeguard if there is ambiguity that we didn't anticipate. Hmm. So we'll put in safeguards to say, if something isn't specified or isn't named, this will be the default, Right. you know, because like my dad wouldn't have wanted all of us arguing with one another. I wouldn't want my kids to, you know, strain their relationship over some things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Out of, out of being confused and trying to do what they each think is the, the, the right thing by you. Or what they right. think they're entitled to. Mm, that too. That also plays a part, right? There's, oh, yeah. there's conversations of entitlement in these discussions that I've been having. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm his firstborn biological son. So if we want to talk entitlement, yeah, let's go there. But I don't want to go there. You see, because I want what my dad wants. Yeah. I don't care what I think I'm entitled to, which I, if we are to talk entitled, if we're to go, if we're to engage on those terms, though, I'd be entitled to a hell of a lot more than a lot of other people in this conver- in that conversation. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'd be entitled to the crown, the throne, the kingdom. <laughs> but on paper, it says differently. Yeah. You know? But uh, wenches be cast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the good news to all this, and I did, I did state this yesterday in a conversation. The good news is that this is, this is a temporary thing. This will, this will soon subside. This will soon be over. Mm-hmm. Um, and not like, thank God, it's one of those where hopefully we can put my dad to rest in the way that he wanted, in a way that everyone else can be happy. But I told the, the executor of the trust, I said, even though I don't agree with this person, I said, you need to understand you're never going to make everyone happy in this. Yeah. No matter what yeah. you do, no matter which way you go, no matter how righteous you think you are, you're never going to please everybody. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the biggest thing you'll need to get used to ASAP. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's true. It's 100% you know? true. So, yeah. yeah. So how was how was your week? Hopefully better than mine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, better than what you're describing. Um you know, it's been really busy this year. Anything online, digital has just been slammed. And um, uh, I've been I've been fortunate. Like, you know, I've told you, I think, on the shows and in person, like, I just don't have any free time. I have to, I have to steal it, you know, instead of working nine to five, I'm working five to nine. And, hey, look, there's other things I could be complaining about. So that's as much as I'll say. Um, but uh, there's weeks where I feel like I'm barely holding it together, meaning there's just kind of this nag where, oh God, I think if anything sort of doesn't fall perfectly in line, I'm going to disappoint somebody. And I would rather under promise and over deliver than give just what's expected. And so I have to give myself a little bit of slack and go, well, (laughs) as long as you're giving what's expected, don't beat yourself up too much. When the opportunities are there within the realm of reality, you can go back to being, you know, awesome. But for now, at least deliver, you know, fair exchange value for dollar. And 
this week, I don't think I let anybody down. <laughs> um, I, I did get a, um, a, a call back for some referral business that I had done and, and they came back to me, which is great. That's basically how I, you know, make my living is through word of mouth and people and, and, you know, a lot of loyalty. Um, I got a new I had a new client call, which was also a referral in the consumer packaged goods e-commerce space. Um, they're great people. Uh, they the referral uh, the, the client that referred them and they themselves um, they make healthier foods. Like you know, it's right up my alley. It's it's the kind of stuff that I'm <laughs> like, oh yeah, you know, grain free donuts sure <laughs> you know or healthy popsicles i'll take two please um what else oh oof this is a big one i signed up for an 85 mile bike journey and it's a combo of flat road hilly road and a bunch of trails um I won't make it. I won't do the whole thing. If I do half of it, I'll feel very proud of myself. But <laughs> it's they call it the um, burrito buffet, and it's out here in this area. <laughs> and it's basically an 85-mile predetermined track where you you get into some trails for half an hour, you come back up above ground, and you go on to the next park or you know trail network you get in there and beat yourself up and you come out and go to the next one and there's plenty of stores and places to stop the the uh, end point the finish line is at a pretty well-known uh, local austin burrito joint that's the thing you <laughs> that's your reward is you get yourself a big fat ass burrito um i tracked this there's this guy he's about my age and his son they must be like race they have to compete i looked at their uh journey they did it once that's the first time it got on my radar several months ago i i'd actually crossed paths with them while they were en route on this specific run and he burned like 8,000 calories, you know, so basically 100 calories per mile or something like that. Wow. So got to, you know, train, got to carb up, <laughs> got to be ready for it on the day <laughs> with plenty of supplements. Or in my case, be in a fasted state and I would uh, come on the other side uh, three pant sizes smaller. <laughs> <laughs> you'd wither away in real time man yeah i mean i'm i'm taking i'm gonna take some heavy you know sort of like substantial snacks with me well the life coach in me is about to show mm, let's have it so when it comes to not finishing the course you seem pretty confident that you won't finish um, I, I don't think I will. I, I have to live in the realm of reality. The longest ride I've ever given, done that's kind of modeled the same way is 30 miles. And that, that was just like, whoa, that was a lot. And to think that I could jump into 85 miles and hang with the guys that do these, um, I think I'd be fooling myself. If I do do it, like I have the fight in me, but if I do do it, great. 
I did it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Let's do the hundred mile one. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, I also have to, um, you know, be honest with myself. Well, it sounds like, it sounds like there's two qualifiers here to consider that, that ride a success. Mm. Number one is finishing the course, which is all of 85 miles mm-hmm. and keeping up with the studs in the pack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What if you were to just do one and not necessarily both? No, I'd be fine with that. I'd be fine finishing alone. I'd be fine doing halving it on the, on their back tire. Okay. Okay. Honestly, okay. I'd be fine doing half of it alone. <laughs> it's my, it's my <laughs> point. It's ambitious and I'll take it either way. I think it's the, the guy who coordinated it. He is a stud. This guy's insane. Like I, I look at his times and the durations that he rides, not necessarily the tracks and the courses. We all ride the same tracks and courses. This guy is fast and he travels around the U S and bikes here and bikes there. He's not my hero. He's, mm-hmm. He seems like a fine guy, but <laughs> he coordinated it. And I was like, if I can hang with this guy for 20 miles, that in itself is an achievement. Because he's, you know, Agreed. yeah, he's, he's, he's insane. He's, <laughs> what was the word? Trail beast was the word I used. <laughs> wow. Trail beast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Are you sure you're not worried they'll run out of burritos? So you're going to have it so you can get there first? Oh, yeah. Like. <laughs> get one at the start and stick it in the car. <laughs> <laughs> a veggie burrito, right? <laughs> all veg. Oh man, they make the the best all veg burritos. They're fantastic. <laughs> I might need to get two. I'll probably won't even my body won't even realize hey, the first one. It was like right. what was that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Instant <laughs> drainage of the tank there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, good luck. When is that race supposed to happen? Um, eight days. <laughs> eight days from now. <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow I'm going to do distance ride. I did, oh, remember after last week's show, I sent you yes. that halfway point. You did. That ended up being a, a 28 mile ride. I didn't prep for it. So I came back with a little bit of the shakes, you know, the no sugar in my body shakes. And I was okay. Like, yeah. I need to get some, something in there. I, I didn't prep. I didn't bring enough stuff i just took one bottle of uh like um what am i trying to electrolyte water you know uh-huh yeah so that was my own stupidness i, I want to try to maybe get in 30 to 40 and that was all road top i don't even think there was no there was no trails it was just endurance it was distance so i'll try to push that tomorrow well i, I need to thank you for sending me that because that made me feel seeing your map and everything made me feel like I had a workout. So I had to go lay down after that. So <laughs> thanks for my workout. Anytime. Actually <laughs> a scheduled for tomorrow. So you can thank me in advance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean those honestly, that, that's a, it's a big deal. Like I see those as little wins. Like, wow. Absolutely. You in, in what happens going back to that adventurous spirit, you know, um, I get bored running the same rides all the time. I have favorites. It's like, you know, cause you, you kind of want to hit the numbers, you know, like I want to ride for an hour or a half hour. So you, you have predictable tracks that you go, but when you push 
past the boundaries, which to me is where the rewards are. They're just on the other side of that sort of self-imposed boundary. Yes. And again, we're not talking about specifically riding bikes. We're talking about everything in life. That self-imposed boundary, there's a reward on the other side. It's not immediately on the other side. It might be three miles out, 20 miles out, but it's there for you to find and, and earn. So, you know, that was, that was an example of me pushing, pushing it, just going and saying, oh, that was a nice little win. So next time I'll try 35 or 40. Maybe in eight days I do 85. Mm-hmm. Probably finishing yeah. by myself. <laughs> Two days later, <laughs> <laughs> I need some. Camp Everyone in got here. home. The burrito yeah, shop's need, closed. The uh, I need so I need to bring my pup tent and sleep on the ground <laughs> with my cup. <laughs> you know, there's a there's a Navy SEAL or an ex Navy SEAL, and uh, I think his name is David Goggins. I think mm. uh, we'll put the right name in the show notes and maybe a link to his book. He actually has a book about, you know, kind of mental fortitude and stuff. Mm. And basically, uh, I've seen a couple of YouTube, you know, reca- recap videos, you know, just real, real quick summations of, of, you know, kind of what his philosophy is. And that is that when you think you're done physically and mentally, mm-hmm. when you think you're done for phys- mm-hmm. you're basically only at 50%. Ha. Wow. <laughs> and I, I would be, I'm going to be completely honest. I would be scared to test that theory. Hmm. I would be yeah. scared. Yeah. Not because I always give it my all, but we have, we have that red line that says, if you go past this, you may very well die. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> the older you hear that gets calibrated a little differently. Yeah, it? <laughs> it does. Yep. It does. Yeah. Um, but I found that fascinating in that I don't know if you, if you train incrementally toward that, you know, or incrementally past that 50%, like, okay, 50%, you're only halfway there, but maybe this time you go 60%. Yeah. And then you back off. Uh, so it almost be, it, well, not almost, it would be interesting to maybe read his book and, and see what he says about that. Or because again, as a Navy SEAL, you're going to get pushed well past your, your perceived limit. So, oh, yeah. And we've, we've talked about perceived limits in, in a previous episode where, like you just mentioned, if you can blow past your, your perceived limits, that's a big win. Huge. Yeah. Yep. But at the same time, to think, to even try to wrap my head around the notion of, yeah, going past our perceived limits, even if it's 10% for that 110%, hmm. <laughs> that's, that's big. Yeah. But if you're saying you can go 200% and still be standing and conscious and, and yeah. you know, have all your faculties about you. Yeah. And maybe that's not, maybe that's not even a condition, right? I mean, maybe you lose control of your, of your faculties, but you finished because you were only halfway there. Right. I mean, who knows what entirely spent really looks like. What, you, what you're uh, kind of like sculpting out of the rock, I feel like is today's 200% is tomorrow's 100%. And it's, it's relative. Very much so. But also I think that our bodies lie to us. Yeah. Yeah. To protect it, to protect themselves. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, um, I remember when, when we were, had our discussion about, you know, diet and eating plans and I was talking about intermittent fasting and how ghrelin 
prompts you to think you're hungry because mm-hmm. it makes rumbling sounds and you're like, ooh, I must be hungry. Mm-hmm. But, your, but your body's actually lying to you because you're not really hungry because you have, if you're a hefty person, then you have plenty of fat store mm-hmm. for your body to feed off of, right? Mm-hmm. So your body's essentially lying to you. And so, again, I'm conjecturing. I can't really say much because I haven't read the book, but I almost wonder if that's the underlying meaning here is that your body is in fact lying to you. Yeah. Yeah. And when you think you've hit your, your threshold or you, you've hit your limit, it's really your body lying to you and you can ignore it, but I don't know how you can ignore it safely and still yeah. push past. Yeah. No, that's a good comparison though. And you're right. Like hunger versus like being able to stand up Two very different, um, messages being sent and two very different mm-hmm. reactions. But I, I, speaking only for myself, I would probably be the, the, the type, you know, like I trained for a marathon, for example, and you're like 26 miles, bull shit. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I can do three. Oh, look, now I can do four. Oh, wow. I just did six, eight, 10, 12, you know, and before you know it, you're like, any shit, because you just continue to push yourself past yesterday's 100 or yesterday's 200. I would probably be the the kind to go, oh man, this is it, you know, and go, okay, this must be 50. I'm going to work towards safely towards 60 because mm-hmm. I'm out in the woods. <laughs> First one to find me might be an animal, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, f- f- or it's but see, con- you're giving back because you'd be some animal's dinner. So you're giving back to the world. <laughs> That's true. And then it dumps me out somewhere and it feeds the earth that's beautiful well because you're all veggie the animal would be hungry 30 minutes later anyway that's true i wouldn't be much (laughs) i have a big frame (laughs) it takes a while they could share me i could be a buffet yeah buffet. (laughs) yeah Yeah. well just remember though i i think it's admirable anybody who trains and and runs a marathon even a half marathon but I just want to caution uh, our listeners that, well, and even you, Graham, I, I, I need not remind that the very first person to run the marathon died <laughs> after completing it. It was a, it was a, a runner. It was a, a, a messenger from a battle, right? And I don't remember if he ran to Marathon or from Marathon to Athens, it, but it was a 26-mile journey and it was an urgent message that had to get from the battlefield back to you know the 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 capital of the nation state and uh he collapsed and died after he finished yeah that's how the that's how the story ended and and they were you know physically conditioned in those days you know why he died because he measured it in imperial imperial measurement is that why miles yeah he should have been measuring it in kilometers kilometers. or or um what's what's that old-timey Measurement parsecs or uh, foot parcels, or <laughs> yeah, <A> foot parcel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's measuring it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the quickest way to 26 that's the measurement I would use <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and not die. So, you know, I might have hit 26 halfway there and still be living. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember there was a guy in training who was always he was his, about the same height as me and maybe a little more muscular. And he was really fat, not like roadrunner fast, but just had this like steady, consistent, faster pace. So he'd start out next to me and he'd always finish several minutes before me. 
it's like, man, you're, you're really, you know, I was trying to figure out like, what's your secret or how mm-hmm. do you, he goes, I hate running. I just want to get it over with. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I loved how it was just simple matter of fact it is. Uh, and that, and that's probably the last thing you would think about that guy is that he actually hates running because he's doing it so well and so effortlessly that you'd think he loves it. Right. Yeah. It was, it cracked me up. It's pretty funny. I knew a guy in the army who, who said that he could basically run, you know, forever. And of course that's a little bit hyperbolic, but, and I said, well, what do you mean by run forever? He goes, well, I don't really, pain doesn't really register the pain when you run too, you know, when you're running too far, too fast, you know, the out of breath, he goes, that doesn't really register. And I'm like, that could be dangerous (laughs) (laughs) because you don't know where the off switch is. And the off switch is actually the, the big off switch. The ticker. Yeah. (laughs) The ticker. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So I don't know if that's a good thing, but I did kind of envy him though, because I, I hate running and uh, that was never my strongest uh, event. Yeah. That's usually for me, the first, I remember when you're a kid and you don't know how to regulate yourself, you'd always get that uh, stomach cramp or the breathing cramp because you just don't know how to breathe right. But then as an adult, it's usually like my, what would be the first thing? It's usually my feet, but now it's my hips. You know what I mean? It's like too much pounding on the, on the hips. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Oh, gotta stop. I'll even go walk the trails. Like if my bike's in the shop or it's too wet to ride after about four miles, my hips are like, Hey, why don't you get your ass home? (laughs) (laughs) Or how about getting that bike ready? (laughs) Use the bike instead. You need to call the bike shop. (laughs) Would you (laughs) see when that thing's going to be done? (laughs) Yeah. Gosh, old age, isn't it great? <laughs> or older age. We're not old, old, but. Yeah. We're, we're uh, in in a lot of circles, we're considered old. In ours, we're not. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that how everything's relative, right? I mean, I remember when I was seven years old, a 14-year-old was like, whoa. <laughs> oh, this is you hilarious. Know? I remember being turning 22 and being like, oh, my God, I'm getting so old. You know, like. <laughs> just those are that's maybe a good one for another show is age the perception of age the passage of age um you know like i remember my mom trying to share with me like when i turned 25 she'd be like okay now you know now that you're 25 and she would kind of list out some of the things i could expect to happen i thought that was pretty um double-edged you know Mm -hmm. because it's like please don't define 25 for me, but also like I was thankful for like the, I don't know, the physical, you know, the things she'd share about like, what could I expect from my body physically? I don't know. It sounds weird. I'm not doing it injustice, but it was, it was little old for the little old for the birds and the bees talk. Aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) You're going to start having feelings (laughs) when a man loves a woman. (laughs) No, yeah, just, um, I think she meant it was well-meaning, uh, harmless advice, but it was also just like, all right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I turned seven, and I thought I was a big deal. Like, not like where I was, you know, a brat. I just thought, I'm not six anymore. I am seven. You had arrived. Yeah. And wow. I was like, I am, I'm, I'm get, I'm moving up. I'm seven. 
<laughs> and I just remember walking around, even telling my mom, Mom, can you believe it? I'm seven. And of course, every parent goes, you're growing too fast, you know, but seven. It was like, but again, but then I go and look at a 14-year-old, and to me, they're practically an adult. Yeah, yeah, they, they have jobs and families in an apartment. Well, <laughs> <laughs> two cars in the garage, exactly. <laughs> you know, let alone a, a 20-year-old or even a 30-year-old. Oh, my gosh, what do I say yeah. <laughs> to a 30-year-old? Yeah, yeah, you're dude. from another dimension. <laughs> yeah, so no, I think that is a, a good topic to explore along with how the the passage of time is, is slower in the first half of your life and speeds up incrementally each year thereafter to the point where you're practically going to sleep you know on January 1st and you wake up and it's December 31st already <laughs> you know and you're like where did that go where did that year go yeah yeah, yeah, worth worth uh, talking through. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, anything else we want to cover today? No, man, that was a good sesh. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, as always, covered a lot. We laughed. We cried. <laughs> <laughs> we kissed two hours goodbye. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of, <laughs> <laughs> but no, this is a. Uh, this is time well spent, right? And and again, we've talked in previous episodes about investing time as you would money. Yeah. And for me, this is a good investment in, in time. I hope, you know, for you, our listener, I hope this is a good investment of your time. It doesn't always have to be about something, you know, earth shattering, right? Sometimes it's just, you know, peeking into the minds of just a couple of ordinary guys mm-hmm. who, you know, who like to, you know, share and talk and explore. So, um, and as always, like I've mentioned, you know, I, I love learning new things. So always when talking to you, Graham, I always learn something new, <laughs> usually about you because, yeah. uh, you know, you're not necessarily what I would call an open book. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you definitely are a page turner. And so every now and then we get to see a, we get to see a page turn. Yeah. There's some fun stuff in there. <laughs> But as always, appreciate your time, Graham. Appreciate you, our listener, uh, for tuning in. And uh, if you found us not quite, uh, you know, not quite so entertaining this week, well, then check us out next week and we'll probably do better. (laughs) Yeah. And give us some feedback, you know. Yeah. There's days we're going to rock it harder than others. And uh, we definitely don't want to keep, you know, sharing things that no one's really interested in. So completely open to feedback. Agreed. And that goes back to episode zero, where we talked about this being interactive. Mm. We want this to be very interactive. Uh, so now, you know, we do we do record these uh, potentially a few weeks in advance. So if you send feedback and we don't acknowledge it uh, right away, don't be disheartened that we're ignoring you. It's only because we, you know, we do record these ahead of time so that we have time to kind of, you know, uh, clean them up and post-produce and add some, you know, cool music and we can look professional even though we're not (laughs) (laughs) or sound professional. Here I am. Look at this podcast. (laughs) Give it a look. What to watch. (laughs) Turn your uh, AM dial. How did that work? (laughs) 
<laughs> so yeah, so if uh if you if you if you weren't if you weren't all about it this week, uh give us a try next week or even listen to any of our previous episodes. Maybe we've got something in there for you to kind of stimulate you a little bit more or maybe not, but mm. anyway, we appreciate you at least giving us a try and hopefully you'll stick around. Uh, yep, indeed. All right, buddy. Well, I wish you a good week and uh We'll talk again soon. Be safe. Be well. All right, friend. You too. Take care. Bye. If you like what you've heard today, we encourage you to leave us an excellent review wherever you're listening from. Don't forget to tell your friends. <laughs>